Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it, you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Hey, well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good? I'm excited to be here this morning. Are you glad to be here? I'm really glad to be here this morning. Hey, if this is your first time uh, with us, if you are a guest this morning, uh, just a little introduction. My name is Phil. I get the wonderful opportunity to be the pastor of this local uh, church that calls themselves Clarity. And, uh, and just in case uh, you are uh, our, our guest, I, I really want to say this, and I mean this with all of our hearts, and I speak really for all of us when I say thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. We know that there are a lot of options that you could have chosen to invest both your time and your energy, and uh, we just we think it's an honor that you would choose to be here with us. In fact, that's why all of us who call ourselves Clarity work really, really hard to make environments like this even possible, where we could you know, sit in some rows, and hopefully at the end of the day, what we really, really hope, those of us who call ourselves Clarity, is that we would all find just a little bit more clarity on who Christ is. And so, if you are our guest today, if you're first time, or maybe it's your first time back with us for a while, I just want to thank you for, for being with us. Uh, it really means the world to us. Now, today we are in our last week of the series called The Bridge. And I'm really excited that none of you have left, okay? Because over these past few weeks, uh, I, I feel like I've taken some liberty on the permission that some of you have given me to speak into your lives regarding what God's word would have to say about what makes a church a church. And for some of you, you resonated really well. And, you, and, and for some of the things that we talk about, some of you, the feedback I got was, yes, that's what I've always believed the church is to be. And some of you were like, oh, I don't know. Are you talking to me, Phil? Or, um, and, 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 and the answer is yes. I'm talking to all of us. And uh, it, really, if you're new, if you haven't been able to join us, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time recapping what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. And you can always just go to claritychurch.org forward slash messages, and you can uh, always catch up with us. And, uh, and so I just invite you to do that as we uh, close up this series, and we're going to finish this out today. And uh, I, I have a... I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be the bridge in everyday rhythms. And, and then I'm going to implore us again to lean just a little bit closer than we all are currently into what is the idea of being community, what is the idea of living life in community with each other. And uh, so that is, if, you, if for some reason you, you fall asleep or you are really not interested, you have to go. That's basically what the message is all about today. And so... Um, uh, that's, that's what it's going to be about. Now, before I get to that, uh, I don't know what your week has looked like, but over the last couple weeks, it has been uh, quite an interesting one around the Santillan house. I don't know about you. Has anyone been sick over the last couple weeks? Yeah, it, it's been absolutely terrible. Um, our kids have had fevers, 
and uh, we, we quarantine our last, our, our last kid, and we try to keep him away from everybody. Uh, so it's, we've gone through all three kids now, and I'm waiting for it to hit me, but um, I don't know. I think I drink too much caffeinated drinks or something like that, and I don't know, it makes me immune or something. Um, but uh, this week, the community that our family is a part of, we, we usually meet at our home. And so this week, we had an opportunity to make a change of plans because you know, in our community, we have infants and babies, and we didn't want them exposed to everything that was going on. So we said, hey, we're going to keep our kids at home, quarantine them, I'll wash my hands, and we'll come meet at someone else's house. And so we made some alternate arrangements, and uh, Heidi Peterson was really great to open up her home to us, and we had tons of pizza. It was absolutely awesome from Papa Murphy's, and we just baked a whole bunch of things. And uh, since everything was on the flex, I decided that we would take a break from our regularly scheduled program, which was at that time uh, kind of a study that we've decided to go through as a missional community. And I decided to uh, ask <laughs> at the very last minute, like literally, hey, in two seconds, I'm going to ask you to do something. And so last minute, I asked one of the new, uh, one of the new uh, people into our community, uh, Hi- another Heidi. So we've got Heidi's, Heidi's. We've got Jared's and Jared's. We've got Jesse's and Jesse's. What else do we have? A lot of here. We got, we got a lot of different, of the same name. Josh's, we got tons of Josh's. Michelle's, we got Michelle's, okay, so if you have any of those common names, you are not special here, so <laughs> just want to let you know. No, I'm teasing. Remember how last week I said community is messy and sometimes I'm going to offend you? There it was. All right, well. So we, I, I, I had the idea, things were just a little different. I said, let's do something we haven't done in quite a while. And one of the re- regular rhythms we have in our community is we want to learn how to tell our story well. And specifically, we want to learn how to tell our story in light of the gospel. And, uh, and for those of us who follow Christ and are part of mission community, that's a real important skill for us to learn how to tell our story in light of the gospel. And so I asked uh, Heidi, I said, hey, Heidi, would you share your story with us? And uh, for those of you that are there, you know what it was like. It was, it was absolutely awesome to hear uh, how, how God had worked through her life. Uh, but specifically, one of the things that stuck out to me the most was how she described how she came to a faith in Christ. You see, Heidi, uh, as she tells it, and she tells it way better. If I had more time, I would have interviewed her and she would do it better. But I'm going to do the best to not butcher the story, Heidi. Uh, but uh, Heidi grew up uh, kind of in a quasi-religious home. And when she was about a teenager, she came, you know, started going to this youth group. And she kind of said the sinner's prayer at the youth group. And and she looks back at it now and she says she, she really didn't have a faith in Jesus then. She had more of like a faith in her community, faith in her leadership. And so when she graduated out of high school, when she moved on from that program, and there was no one there, and the leaders weren't there, uh, uh, her faith kind of, you know, just went to the wayside. It wasn't that she didn't believe the truth or know the truth. She just kind of didn't have her faith in Christ. But it wasn't until one of her parents' uh, friends began reaching out to her in relationship that Heidi began to really begin building a life of faith in Jesus Christ. And she tells it better. But basically what she said was the difference between this new journey of her life where she finally found faith in Christ instead of the people who were leading her to Christ was this. The biggest thing was that, uh, that made a difference was unlike her past experience of church where she felt like she had to conform to the maybe ideal Christian conduct before belonging. It was, it was a really she said yes to Jesus because she really wanted to be invited and and felt like she belonged to this group of people who said they were followers of Jesus. And so she went ahead and did it. But when her friend's parents reached out to relationship with her, one thing she noticed really that was absolutely different is that they didn't require her 
to change her beliefs or behavior before she felt like she could belong and be part of the family. Now, her parents made it very clear that they had not yet dumbed down their belief in the gospel and the scriptures and what they believed was true, but they never stopped loving her for who she was, and more importantly, they didn't stop loving her. Uh, they, did, they didn't stop at loving her so she didn't see life change. In fact, they continued to lead her to Jesus and continued to point to how great he is. And, and eventually she came to the point, she was like, you know what? This Jesus is amazing. And they didn't dumb down, you know, her, these parents didn't dumb down their convictions and beliefs, but they genuinely just demonstrated care for her even before the decision of her life became congruent, even though the decisions that she was making in her lives began to fall in step with the order of God's design for her. And it was the kind of relationship that changed her life forever. And, uh, and I, just, I just remember listening to that, and I said, man, Heidi, that is an amazing story. And she goes, that's why I actually, you know, that's why we really love Clarity. Because for the first time, I felt that Clarity Church was, and even though she believes in Jesus, she felt like this is a church where if I invited someone who was not yet a follower of Christ, they could feel like they belong. And they could know that God loves them enough that they wouldn't stay that way. But they would be allowed to belong before they believe. And, and really, this is, this is really why I think many of us showed up this morning, why many of us even three years ago started this thing we call Clarity Church. It was not only just to be a place where people could belong before they believe, but at the end of the day, and the reason why my wife and I decided to leave the established church that we were serving and, and start something else is because this, we believe that God changes life, that Jesus changes everything. And we believe that there's a possibility for life change. Now, of course, the desire for life change isn't something that people who follow Jesus have the corner market on. Like, you know, like only people who can have or life change or desire life change are Christians. I mean, life change is something, is something at one time or another all of us desire having, right? This is why some of us at the beginning of the year started to, to, uh, to, to go to the gym, right? Right? You know, and I, I go to the gym like never. Uh, um, uh, Leanne, who is our daycare provider, she started a new diet called Whole30. And uh, I told her I would totally join her. I'd just eat everything that i met, seen for 30 days, just whole of it, all of it. Just She said, that's not how it works. I'm like, what? Sounds like a great diet to me. Uh, and so, but this is the reason why we do this. Why? Because we hope for a change. We, we believe that some of these things are actually really really good for us. And everyone who starts working out consistently or who starts a new way of healthy eating believes that that kind of life pattern, that kind of new thinking, believing, or whatever, they believe that it would make a difference. So otherwise, there wouldn't be this market for, for health care and diets and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and this is the reason why I've, I mean, I'm ashamed to say this, but I've had a lifetime membership three different times <laughs> over the years. <laughs> three different times I've signed up 80 bucks a month or whatever it was and, and, and then I've had to call and then go I, I don't want to sign up anymore and they're like well you have to come in and talk to us and then it's like a four hour conversation and then they want to throw me more money and I'm just like I just want to cancel I haven't been here since I signed up okay and that was seven months ago well you know we, anyways and here's the thing I don't struggle with the truth I know working out is good for me you know that eating healthy is good for you but what you struggle with and what I struggle with is the same thing. It's the gap 
between the truth and the everyday rhythms of life. It's that gap between what you know to be true and the reality of how you're actually living your everyday life. It's, it's kind of like this, how in the world am I going to make this happen over here, right? And for many of us, there is a disconnect between the information that we kind of receive on Sunday and how we apply it to our daily lives. And that disconnect happens not because you're a bad person or because you don't believe the truth, but mainly, I think, and I'm just, and this is where I go on I'm not preaching right now, I'm just meddling. Um, I think that happens mostly because in our everyday lives, we rarely meet people that care <laughs> about the truth that we believe in. It, uh, it kind of sounds like this, you know, Phil, I believe everything that we're saying. I believe what we're learning about who God is and what he's done and what he wants to do. But listen, you don't understand where I work, though. Or, or Phil, you, you don't know my family. You don't know what it's like. My daughter, she's always being like, hey, cash me outside. How about that? Right? <laughs> That's my life. You don't understand my world. You, you, you don't understand what I'm living in. And, and listen, I believe, Phil, what you're saying, but... <laughs> You don't have to experience what I experienced during the week. It's easy for you. You're the professional pastor who like works one day a week, right? And I, you don't know my world. In other words, you might hear a message about the scriptures regarding about integrity and being ethical and doing the right thing. And you go, yes, I believe it. But then you get to your job, right? And it's not like people at your job are anti-Christian or anti-God. <laughs> uh, they just really don't care. And, and you're trying to do the right thing, but they aren't giving out the right thing award, right? So, and, and nobody's clapping and saying, you know, way to go, Joe. You did the right thing. And here's the thing. If you and I were to sit down over coffee and, you know, at this table just like this, and I was sipping my drink asking you how things are going, and you were to be frank with me, you would probably, you would probably say to me, hey, look, Phil, I believe the truth of the scriptures. I just don't know how that works out in my world. I don't really know how that works out in the everyday rhythms of life. For some of you, maybe the issue is family. You hear about how to be a good parent or a spouse, and then you go home, Right, And then you try to work this stuff out. And, but you're trying to figure out how to take some basic steps towards these principles that's, that we talk about. And really, that, that really scripture, I think, is, is full of. And you're trying to fit it into your specific situation. But it's just hard. Phil, if you knew the husband I was married to. If you knew the wife I was married to. Right? Or maybe you hear principles about forgiveness but you find yourself in a situation where you need to forgive someone and you're not sure how to make that happen. Or maybe you're someone who has decided that it's just not worth it to forgive. But I do believe in this thing called forgiveness. Maybe you hear talk about how to handle your finances in a way that honors God and your relationship with him. (laughs) But you get home and you pull out the ledger and you look at the spreadsheet, you look at the income bracket, you look at the expense bracket and you're like, 
I, it's not that I don't agree. I just, <laughs> I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. Maybe you hear about a specific spiritual habit. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's reading scripture. Maybe it's fasting. And you're like, oh yes, that's what I need. I need some time alone. I need to, I need to, I need to take some time and just really, you know, put to practice some spiritual disciplines and you believe that it'll help you grow. But you look at your calendar and you open up your Google calendar and some of you have seen your Google calendar and it just, <laughs> it looked quite crazy. Um, and you just, you look at it and you go, I, but I don't know. I have to sleep sometime. And again, it's not that you don't believe the truth. It's just that you struggle with how to work out the specifics of the truth in your everyday rhythms of life. The reason why we did this series called The Bridge is because we believe that the bridge is the church. We established this in week one. The bridge is the church that connects and supports people who are turning to God. It spans the gap created by our sin so that people who are once far from God can be brought near to him. And, the, and we learned this last week, the, 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 the how of of what keeps this thing supported and what keeps this thing even viable. Because remember we said, the question that's often asked isn't how does a church act like a bridge? It's, it's more, the question that isn't asked is can a, can a bridge actually fail? Can a church fail? And if there's ways that a church can fail, a bridge can fail, are the things we could do to make sure that we never get into a situation where we never stop being the church? And one of those things we looked at is this. The, really, the key foundation is this, that the church is a community of people committed to one another, right? We talked about that last week. And so this is why being part of a community on mission is so important because being part of a community, not coming to church on Sundays, not doing one thing a week, going to a Bible study, being part of a BSF, that is not, that is not how the bridge between the truth of what we know and how to live our everyday life gets connected. It is through community. And specifically today, I want to talk about the three different aspects of what that community looks like and to explain how the gap between the truth and everyday rhythms of life is bridged. I want to let, let us look at uh, a really familiar passage, I think, to some of us who might have grown up in church. Uh, and, and it's a book called Hebrews. It was written to the Hebrews. And the writer of this book uh, was writing really to a group of Christians who were under intense persecution in fact, if you read the whole book of Hebrews, you get a sense that the writer believes that these Christians are under so much pressure culturally um, and just in their area to, to conform to the, to the, you know, what's going, basically not living life God's way, that they're even contemplating, like, we're just going to go back to Judaism. We're just going to go back to the way we used to live. We're just going to go back to the way that everybody else is living. We're just going to go back to the way that the world around us is just asking us to conform to. Because you know what? This is just too hard. And Paul, and Paul who, who some of us think wrote the, uh, the, the, the letter of Hebrews, or whoever it is, the writer says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't give up. And for nine chapters, he starts this Great, I think it's, it's one of the greatest treaties for why we should keep the faith. And so for nine chapters of Hebrews, this writer talks about how amazing and how awesome, first and foremost, Jesus is. 
He doesn't start with, don't turn, don't. He says like, okay, I get it. I see what you're saying. It's hard. Life is hard. And, but listen, let me tell you about Jesus real quick. So for three-fourths of this letter, he talks about Jesus and how great he is and how amazing he is. And you know, some of us, some of us, the reason why we're not winning in our everyday lives when it comes to living for Christ is not because we don't know what to do. It's because we've forgotten who Jesus is. So sometimes we need to just stop and not just go, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? We need to go, wait, hold on. Who is Jesus again? What does the scripture tell us who he is and what he's done? And then in light of that, if that's who I am, maybe then I'll know how I should live. And so Paul, Paul does this, the writer of Hebrews does this, and he, he sets down the foundation of faith in God by reminding people of who Jesus is and what he has done and what he wants to do. And then he gets to the passage, what we're going to be in right now, it's Hebrews chapter 10. And here's what the writer says. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It will be on the screen and uh, we, we make it easier for you to understand and to read God's word. So don't feel obliged to pull out your Bible, but it, it'd be helpful. It'd be helpful for you to, to pull that out and, and read with us. And so here it goes. Uh, verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Now, if you're not familiar with faith or you don't believe everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, uh, this, I just, you know, opened up a can of worms. Bloody Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Listen, um, I don't have a lot of time to talk about maybe the history and, and all this kind of stuff because that's not why you're here. You're not here for a history lesson. If you Google this, I promise you will find out what all this symbolism means. So we live in a post-information age. You don't need a, a, a scholar to help you understand that stuff. And hopefully, if you're a follower of Christ, you've taken your own spiritual growth in your own hands and you are responsible to grow up You feed yourself, okay? But here's what I want to tell you about this passage of Scripture. Whether you are someone who's new to faith in Christ or someone who's followed Christ for a very long time, what does this passage remind us of? This passage reminds us, really, the writer of Hebrews communicating the truth of the gospel. That God himself has come to rescue and restore creation in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And why does creation, which includes me, which includes you, need rescuing? It's a good question. Because of sin. Because we live lives that are incongruent with God's standards. We live lives that are, 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 are not according to God's way. We, we, in fact, we live lives that, for some of you, are in direct rebellion to who God is and what he's asked us to live. That's called sin. And just in case you didn't understand what sin is, sin is living for my fame and my glory instead of God's. And sin is living life my way for me and living my life God's way for God. And... Here is the bad news. And I, I, when I speak and I talk about who Jesus is, I, I, I try to uh, make sure that I practice and I don't have too many words that I need and try not to go over too long because I, I want to make it easy for you to turn to Christ. But what I'm about to say here is for some of you, this might be offensive and that's okay. But listen, the truth about all of us is this, that we have all sinned. And we have fallen short of God's standard. And we really, really need the gospel. We desperately need Jesus to rescue us from the penalty and the effects of sin, which the scripture teaches is ultimate and eternal separation from God. That's the terrible news. But remember, I said this is good news, right? 
The good news is that when we repent, literally when we change in our mind, in our heart, in our living, who is really God in our lives, and by faith we believe that Jesus' life, his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection has secured our rescue and restored us to a right relationship with God the Father, then this good news is true for you as it is for all who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Now, Obviously, it doesn't stop there. The writer of Hebrews says this. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. The writer is going to get to the part, and some of you are like, okay, where are you going with this? You, you told us, you're going to tell us how the church bridges the gap between truth and everyday living. The writer is going to get to it, but I think it's really important just as the writer took nine chapters to remind us who Jesus is. Because if you don't know who Jesus is, the trying to live in community thing is going to be very exhausting. If you have no power from Jesus and his spirit to do it, you're not going to be able to do the things that we talked about last week, which is be in community that's messy and live in restoration and rebuke and gently towards other believers. And you're not going to be able to do all that kind of stuff you try to do in your own power. You have to have Jesus. You have to have the Holy Spirit living in your life, right? And so uh, we, need to, we need to remember that. But listen, it's all about Jesus, first and foremost. It's about Jesus, okay? I, I want to make that very, very clear. I think mean, I don't, can't, can't say it enough. How the church is the church is first and foremost established because of who Jesus is. And we're all about Jesus. In fact, um, our mission statement says that we, we, we exist so that those disconnected from God would come to clarity who Christ is and and I don't know if you know this, but some people just don't get that. And they're followers of Jesus. I remember I had someone who had visited a while ago. And uh, um, they sent me a, a, an email and said, hey, really love your church. Love the mission. Love the values. It's amazing. We love it. Uh, but, you know, I think I'm pretty clear on who Jesus is. So we're going to be looking for a church that's a little bit more established. And, like, and I'm okay with you looking for a church that's more established. But to say that... You're pretty clear on who Jesus is as a reason. Oh my goodness, I need Jesus. I don't know about you. I need to be reminded every day, every moment about who Jesus is and what he's done because less than allowing the character of Christ to motivate my life is simply living life in idolatry, meaning I'm God. I have my best interest in mind. And here's what I know about you and I know about me. We don't have our best interests in mind. We don't. How many of you have ever done something dumb that you knew was dumb? Right? You don't have your best interest in mind. So listen, if you don't have your best interest in mind, the question is, who does? The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, you can never have too much clarity in who Christ is because it's only being reminded of daily who Christ is that you can be motivated to live this life of being a disciple. And listen, We are a church committed to making disciples. That is with a healthy church, a church that acts as a healthy bridge, spanning the gap between where people are and where God wants them to be. That is how a healthy church operates. That's why in uh, verse 23, the writer says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm 
For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So, uh, real quick, I just want to talk for the rest of the time here. How do we structure ourselves as a church? What are the systems that we have in place to make sure that what we talked about last week happen? Okay? And this is unique maybe to us. It's not unique in general, but it, would, it makes Clarity Church, Clarity Church. And first, we believe this. We believe that the church is committed to living life on mission. And so we are a church committed to living life on mission. Most people come to realize that when they're lacking in faith, um, most people come to realize that where they are lacking in faith, when you put them in a place where they desperately need God's power, grace, and strength. It's in those times people realize whether they're selfish or prideful or whether they're afraid or insecure. And if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know what I'm talking about, right? It just seems like the, the, the layers and the niceties and all the stuff that you kind of put on the facade, when you're in the middle of mission, it just kind of goes away. I remember when I was on a mission trip, 15 years old, I was in Russia. Uh, when I was in Russia, my parents are crazy. They let me be in Russia for three months. I was on this mission trip, uh, 15 years old. And I remember, uh, that's actually where I learned to play guitar. And one of my roommates had a guitar and he was teaching me guitar. And then I had another roommate. And uh, during our free time, I was in my room and he was, you know, taking a nap or trying to take a nap. And I was in there trying to work on this thing that my other roommate had taught me. And then, and he goes, all of a sudden he just turns and goes, dude, would you stop? I'm like, what? And he goes, you sound terrible <laughs> trying to take a nap. <laughs> so like, it's in the mission field that you, who you are is revealed, right? Like on day one, he would have definitely not gone like, dude. You sound terrible. He might have been like, hey, man, could you go somewhere else, you know, because I'm trying to take a nap. But he led with the, dude, you're horrible. And, uh, right? And so, well, it's, and when we're on mission, it's kind of, it kind of bleeds out. It's, it's in the context of mission with others in the really everyday rhythms of life that you kind of get squeezed. When you're living every day with people on mission, your life gets squeezed so you realize what parts of your life need Jesus? That's why the scripture says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. Say everything. Everything. Everything you do flows from it. If submitting life to Jesus is the goal of being and making disciples, then how is anyone going to see the stuff that's deep down inside of you? There's not a better environment for truly testing the measure of your depth of faith in Christ than living life on mission with others who are in community. And there's not a better environment for truly helping you grow as a disciple and grow others as disciple makers than living life on mission with others. That's why Jesus understood this. He called his disciples and he said to them, hey, come and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Right? He invited them to on-the-job training. It wasn't a classroom that he invited them to once a week. He said, hey, follow me. And as a result of following him, they could observe everything Jesus said and did. They could see how he rebuked the religious leaders who tried to make it harder for people to come to God. They were able to watch his compassion and care for people being ruined by sin. They, they couldn't overlook his willingness to heal and help the broken and the power he exerted over demons was clearly on display. 
The disciples of Jesus listened, watched, and learned in the everyday stuff of life. After a while, he then invited them to share in some of the work he was doing, right? This is what happened. And listen, if you want to bridge the gap for yourself and for others regarding the truth about what you know about who God is and the everyday rhythms of your life, you have to make a decision to begin to journey a life of living on mission with others. You have to be in a community with people where the everyday, in the everyday rhythms of your life, you are spurring each other on towards love and good deeds and specifically spurring each other towards the ultimate good, which is bringing the gospel into, the, into, into all people and making disciples and baptizing them and teaching them the way they should go. This is the ultimate good. Here's the second way we structure ourselves as a bridge that helps people bridge the gap between truth and the everyday rhythms of life. It's this. We are a church committed to living life in community. Hebrews 10.25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. If you're one of those sourpuss-faced people who's always like, nobody goes to church anymore. These heathens and these millennials. and blah, 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 blah. There's so many millennial hate. I'm just tired of it because I'm kind of like in that millennial gap. I'm not quite a millennial, but I... I want to be sometimes, and I feel like it. But I don't want to because I like making fun of them too, those entitled little What? <laughs> Behind your back, I promise. Um, but, right? Listen, some of us, we, we look at this problem. And nobody goes, Look, it was a problem since the beginning of the church. Just to let you know. It's not going away. But listen, when I was growing up, I remember pastors used to use this verse and they used to use it in light of church attendance. They're like, used to read this verse and say, that's why y'all have to come to church and you have to go to church, which is a dumb phrase anyways. You can't go to church. You can't go to church anymore like you can go to family. Families of people, churches of people. So you can't really go to them. You can be with them. You can go to the place where they meet. But anyways, that's what I tell my kids. <laughs> so funny, last night my daughter was praying like, Lord Jesus, I'm just so excited to go to church. I mean, be with, oh, daddy, you know what I mean. Because <laughs> they know. I always tell them, you can't go to church. Churches of people. But listen, here it is, this verse, and they're like, oh, it's about church attendance. Now listen, first of all, if you miss one of our gatherings, I just got to be honest with this. Do not feel guilty about missing one of our gatherings. We are not keeping tabs on you. We want you here, and every time that you show up, it is a good thing, and it's right for you to be here. And listen, whether you know it or not, we're better because you're here. But don't feel guilty if you have to miss because that's not even what this verse is about. Here's a question. If you only have one-on-one discipleship with people, what does the person you're discipling end up looking like? You, right? Now, we don't want a person looking most like me for obvious reasons but we don't want them looking most like you either. We want them to look most like Jesus. Which means the whole body has to be involved in their discipleship. It means that it's not just life on mission, but it also means it's life in community. It's us together, pouring into each other, seeing all the gifts, working and pouring into 
a person. We need all the aspect of God's creative and diverse body helping each other grow up in Christ. In order for this to happen, you're going to need a few more people knowing you. You're going to need a few more people pouring into you. You're going to need a few more people living life with you, shaping you, and equipping you. And listen, we are all here to help all of us grow together. It's not just one leader in this group or one leader in that group or it's just all on me. Listen, we all take responsibility for each other. If we are a bridge that gaps, that bridges the gap for people who are turning to God and going to God, listen, we all know that we help one another. This kind of culture develops people well in making disciples because they know that they are all going to have to help in order to do it. So we live life on mission. We live life in community. The last thing is this. We're a church committed to living life on life. The rest of Hebrews 10.25 says this, you know, do not neglect meeting together, some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Life in life means we're committed to our lives being visible and accessible and we're committed to help each other grow up in every aspect of life by having every aspect of our life visible and accessible to each other and listen you can only encourage people that you truly know you can only encourage people that you truly know because listen encouragement without knowledge is just flattery Understand that? Trying to encourage someone that you do not know at best is just flattery. But if you really want to encourage someone, you have to know them. You have to live life on life. You have to be living a life that's visible and accessible. You have to be around and you have to live a life that doesn't pull punches and doesn't hide Hide the areas of your life that you know you're ashamed of. Because listen, if you hide those areas and you try to act like everything's okay, who's going to speak the gospel in your life and help lead you to Jesus and gently rebuke you and gently lead you to repentance in Jesus? That doesn't happen if you're just playing church, if you play, that doesn't happen in a row. I can't, I can't encourage you and, and, and you sit in a row. The, the most I could do is, is, is encourage you maybe in who God is, but it doesn't really encourage you to grow up and bridge the gap of the truth that you're learning in your everyday life. That only happens when you're in community, when you're living life on life. You can't truly get to know someone by sitting in rows with people. You can't even do it by just sitting in Bible study. You have to be part of a community that's committed to living life on life. So, life on life. Life, on commun- life, life in community. Life on mission. As we close this series, if we, this is my, and I'm speaking to those of you who call Clarity Home, listen, if we are going to be a bridge that helps bridge the gap for people who are far from Christ and far from God and are turning to, to, to Christ, if we're going to be that bridge, we have to be a community that is living life on life, life in community, life, and this is all of us. This isn't about a guilting of those who are not doing it. This is just a big call saying, hey, you love your church. You believe in Jesus. He's made a change in your life. 
I'm just asking you to lean a little bit closer. Take one step closer towards this journey of living life on life, life in community, life on mission. And if you want to help clarity continue to be a bridge for people that are turning to God in this community and in the everyday rhythms of our life, I want to ask you, would you lean just a little bit more than you are now into community with us? Maybe you're an attender. And so what you need to do is maybe serve so that you don't have an out to not regularly being with us, right? And then you serve alongside the people and you get to know them and you ask questions because sooner or later, you know, tell me where you're from. What do you do? Gets really old and you have to ask them real questions. Some of you, you serve and, and maybe you're regularly attending on Sundays, but you know what? You still haven't agreed to go to lunch with that person who said, hey, you should come to lunch with us after church. Would you just do it? Say yes. Thank you. Yeah. From the mouth of babes. Just do it. Tell them they have to pay for it. If they're from Clarity, they probably will. If you want to take someone out for lunch, let me know. As long as you don't take them to like Ruth Chris, I'll pay for it. If you've been acquaintances here, choose to put yourself in a position to belong. And how do you do that? Well, embrace the awkward of what it means to go to a community and just do it. Get to know somebody. Put yourself in an opportunity to belong. If you don't like our communities, been there, tried it. Don't like you, Phil, and I'm not a millennial, so I'm not going to that other thing. but you still want to be part of a community that looks like the kind of bridge we've been talking about over these past several weeks? Listen, email me, call me, grab me after this gathering. I want to help you start one. Listen, we have to, I'm begging you, we want to grow up in Christ. If we want to be a church that's reaching people, not just getting bigger, okay? There's a lot of churches that are getting bigger, but is anyone making disciples? I think a lot of churches are good at making what I call spiritual orphans. They get them birthed, but then they leave them and no one grows up in Christ. We want to have people grow up in Christ. If we want to do that, well, we've got to grow up in Christ. And that's going to happen when we live life on life, life and mission, life and community. So if you're not doing that and you want me to help you, let's do, let's figure that out. Let's figure that out together. And listen, if you're part of a community but maybe you haven't engaged in what that community is doing as far as living on mission, or maybe your community doesn't even do it. Then have your community do something. You be the voice of change. It says, no longer are we going to be a community that just kind of lives life on life and life in community, but we need to live life on mission. Don't just rely on your leaders to figure it out. You go together and say, we got to do this. We got to see the areas of our lives that are lacking belief in Christ, where we're, we need Christ and who he is to invade it. And that's only going to happen in the squeeze of mission. So we got to do this. Make sense? This is, this is me preaching as, as much as I can preach. I don't know how other of us to say this, but we need to do this. We've got to figure this out. And we're terrible at this because we're Minnesotans. We love driving into our garage when it's cold and just, you know, I mean, that's just who we are. We've got to figure this out. We're humans as well, aren't we? We need community. And if you're a follower of Christ, don't you want to grow? Don't you want to grow? So, that's my preaching.
the end of this series. So what are you going to do to lean in to help making your church the bridge that spans the gap for people who are turning to God? Let me pray for you.